Welcome to the Youth Soccer in America podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean Kuykendall, along with Ben Mortimer. Ben, back for another round. How are you today? Well, thanks, Sean. All right. Well, today we're going to get into winning versus development with youth soccer. You know, it's very interesting as uh, a lot of parents and a lot of people who play any sport, you want to win. The goal and the object is to win. But at what point do we win at all costs? And, at, and where do we draw the line in terms of, well, we're going to work on a different skill set or different different tactical uh, way to play today because we're looking to, you know, grow and and try to learn how to play different ways and versus winning. And there's sort of that uh, that balance that you have to figure out. Um, ben, you're, you're a coach for U9 and U10 boys, a travel team in the Washington, D.C. area. What uh, What's the balance between winning and development for you guys with your little guns? Well, obviously, when we play, we always look to try and win because that's the aim of the game, right, to try and win. And... You know, we we realise the importance of that, but at the same time, we make sure that we emphasise the importance of development. So, at the ages we play at with the younger guys, the U eight, U nine, U ten, there is no league standings, there is no um, which is important. Kept, which is important because the results aren't really that important. What we're more interested in is the way the kids play. If they can get the ball down, if they can show skill, um, creativity with the ball, and they can pass and move and, and show good technique. That's what I'm more interested in, whether or not they win 1-0 by booting it long and having the fastest kid up front run onto it and just bury it every time they get the chance. So for me, winning is important because obviously I want to win and I'm a horrific loser, but I understand <laughs> yeah, the, bigger sure. picture, the bigger picture and I understand that development at this age is imperatively important. Well, and this is another thing that I, you know, I found with our with our U10 boys is that I don't really ever need to ask them, you know, to keep track of the score. They already know. They know if they're winning or if they're losing. Each individual game, the game in itself is a competitive match, and kids are competitive. They know what they're up against. They know what they're there for, and they know what the goal of the game is, and the game is, you know, they want to win it. Now, do they need to go and track the the standings and, and buy into the hype, which you see a lot of parents do? You know, we're five wins and two losses, and and you know three draws this season, and I sometimes as a coach with all with my uh, with my teams, I don't really know our record. I know how we played stylistically, how we played, and that's almost more important to me. Are the kids working on the techniques and the skills and the decision making that's going to help them win games when they're older? Because a game at nine, ten, eight, it doesn't matter the result as much as do they start working on the things that they need to do to improve. Yeah, I think I think your kids are a little bit more advanced than mine because a lot of the players that we have don't have any idea what the score is sometimes when they're playing they're not sure if they're winning they're losing or if they've scored what? a goal if they haven't just throw a ball some out get a little, some get a little bit confused what the score is you know if you turn around and ask a group of 10 year olds what the score is in a game I'm sure you're going to get different answers but you know like what you said there I don't know what our record is we we keep a, a log of what the results are just for us coaches but we don't publish that we just look at that ourselves just to make sure that we've got a reference so we understand how many goals we're scoring and how many we're conceding so we have an idea of what we've got to work on in the in the practice of the coming week. So, you know, in terms of development, the result is important, but winning isn't necessarily as important. If you lose a game, but you play brilliantly well, but give up a couple of sloppy goals because you're trying to play it out of the back, you know, at this age you're going to get found out, at the younger age groups you're going to get found out, and that's going to matter. Now, obviously, as you progress and get older... You hope that those techniques and those skills that you've put in at younger ages will be learned. So when you get to 
more important age groups for in terms of results those types of silly mistakes don't happen and you can convert your dominance into victories yeah of course and I, I definitely I think you're touching on the point there we don't coach here where we turn into oh let's just go out and if we lose we lose you know if we win that'd be great I mean we we are competitive coaches in our own right, and we are we do want to win these games, and we want to, but we aren't going to sacrifice the development plan of trying to learn to have good technique on the ball, have good control on it, to be able to move and pass the ball and try to make correct soccer decisions, which sometimes you get punished for, especially on the small fields with the younger with younger kids, where one bad pass, one bad uh, square ball can get you intercepted, and then they're right in on your goal. So you know we're not gonna we're not gonna win at all costs, and I think that's sort of the distinction there. It's not we don't care about winning because as a competitor we do, and I think the kids do, and they should because that is the ultimate goal of soccer is to win a game by scoring more goals than the other team. But we're not gonna throw out uh, this technique and all the skills that we're learning in order to win because we've been there. We've seen these coaches at eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, just yelling at their players, lump the ball, kick the ball up the field, boot it, boot it, kick it, and their kids are decently athletic. And they run, they chase it down, and and they can win, and they can score goals, and they're successful. But as those kids get older, 12, 13, 14, 15, and the teams that start to move the ball around and use technique, the teams that were just running and kicking it don't touch the ball the whole game, and those teams basically fold. So, Yeah, I think it's important that you create competition. So, you know, kids love to compete. So rather than just getting them to get to practice in a, in a situation where there is no winning and losing, I think it's completely and utterly fair and, and important to make sure that there's some form of competition so you know you say for example if you've got a kid juggling at the very basics what's your juggling record mm-hmm. who else can beat it who can beat it that competition's healthy now obviously you don't want to turn around and say oh you lost this game therefore you're not going to play at the weekend because sometimes that can be a little bit harsh but by putting a little bit of weight on the results in practice and making realistic competition that can only help them when they actually come to real games. And especially things like tournaments, you know, because we talk about development. And yep. then you have a lot of kids at the younger age groups that go to these youth tournaments. Now, we talk about good development. Playing free games in the less than 30 hours Not healthy for you at all. probably isn't great Not for, at all. for the younger age groups. But, you know, a lot of coaches do that and a lot of teams and clubs do that. So when they get into those situations, the development sort of goes out the window for a lot of people. And then the, the results and the winning seem to matter more than the development. Yeah, and parenthetically, it's not, the reason why it's not good for development is it's no one can physically play two to three games in a day and give their 100% best effort and actually play to their maximum effort throughout the whole game. It doesn't really help. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you get, you get teams that have tremendous athletic kids on, the, on, the, on their rosters and, and they will come out on top probably most of the time in yep. tournaments unless you've got teams that have good technique and can possess the ball. Because if they can do that, then obviously the ball can do the hard work. They can tire out the opposition. Yep. Ball never gets tired. There you go. The ball never gets tired, and, and they can and they can get results that way. But as they move on through the age groups, from the younger age groups we've been talking about there, the introductory age groups, I think the result, results begin to get more important as they move on, especially for league play and things like that, because that's how you get judged and and brought into tournaments. So say for example, you want to go to a college showcase tournament at 16 years old, you know they're going to factor in your results. For that season, a college showcase would be before. for kids that are looking to maybe get recruited to play college soccer. Sure, yeah, and you know, if you want to play in the highest tournament, you want to go down to Disney or you want to play in one of these top tournaments. 
they're going to look at your record because obviously they need to know whether or not you're going to be able right, to So compete. the results start to matter for placement into these tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. And as you get older, I think the weight of the result matters more and more. And obviously for you, Sean, in college, you know, the results really the only thing that's same. Yeah, well, I mean, the coaching and Division One program, we are judged by our wins and losses and whether or not we can bring it a championship uh, each year in our conference. And so. that's where the record really matters. But, you know, at the younger age groups, we're not too concerned with the record because, like we said, it's the development. So when they do finally get to college or they do make it to the MLS or they do play at a higher level, that's when they've got all the skills and, and all, the, all the equipment to make sure that they can win and make sure that they can get results at a higher level. So in terms of when, you know, I think for me and for our – in my coaching mentality and mindset, it starts to change a little bit when we get to uh, 13 and 14, where we're looking to, to, you know, tactically change how we play sometimes in order to win a game. I think that we still don't. We still have a lot of development to go at 13 and 14. Winning at all costs is not the only objective, but we're going to start looking to change our subbing patterns and, you know. For us, we have a policy in, in our um, travel for the U10 for the boys is that if they're showing up to the you know, required practices per week and uh, they're showing up on time, that they, they're going to be able to play at least a half a game because we, it's important for the younger kids to play. But as you start to get to 13, 14, 15, 16 and above, you're starting to get to that where the playing time doesn't need to be equal. It's a competitive environment. We're looking to... Uh, you know, put our best team on. And yes, maybe it's not as drastic at 13 and 14 as it is when we get to 16, 17, and 18, where even in my youth teams, you know, we had players who didn't play in, in, in a game because we're looking to win and the result was important. So um, at what age for you do you see and where do you start changing how you sub and tactically? Well, for what you just touched on there about the younger age groups, you know, making sure that they turn up for practice and games on time. Yep. You know, the... The lack of playing time for somebody that's late to two practices or f doesn't make it to a practice without telling the coach should definitely be less. But that's all part of their development and understanding of the mm -hmm. attitude of the club and the culture. You have to turn up for right, expectations. Yeah, you have to turn up for games on time. So, you know, that's a tool for coaches and clubs to use to make sure that people do turn up on time. They do come prepared. They do have the right equipment. Now, in terms of how we work with the younger age groups and subbing in and out, a lot of the time it's performance-based. So... If a kid's practice really well throughout the week, because we expect them all to be on time and all that type of thing with the right equipment, shoelaces tied, blah, blah, blah. When they play well during practice, those kids are going to start the weekend. So that competition during the week that we put in practice wasn't necessarily winning, but the competition of you know, who can do these skills the best, who's getting most of the ball, who's on top of most of the games. Those kids are the ones that are going to start the weekend. And if they perform and play well, then they'll, they'll remain on the field. Now, the substitutes, when they come on, which they will because we don't want kids at the younger age groups sitting out for a whole game or even a whole half, those kids, when they come on, have to bring a positive impact. Yep. If they don't, you'll find that the starter kid will have a quick drink, quick turnaround, a little chat with the coach, and then be straight back in the game. So for me, it's more about the kids that are performing, that play, and then the kids that maybe don't listen to direction as well or haven't quite yep. practiced their technique, they'll find they have a little bit less playing time. And they're aware of that, so they can go away and fix that and hopefully increase their playing time in the future weeks. Now, when we've, we've gotten, uh, and you know, speaking tactically, I think that's a difference that, um, you know, to explain tactically is, is a part of the game where it's how you play. So there's different styles and, and, and ways to play soccer. 
you can play soccer with possession, knocking the ball around, passing and moving, and through keeping the ball away through the, from the other team, eventually gaps start to open up in the defense. Uh, and if we have that, Benny, Benny, you got a phone call. Yeah, sorry about uh, that. A phone call. That's unbelievable. Busy. Do you want to take it? Business never Who is stops. It? Who is it? Yeah, it's, it's your mom. It's your mom. That's no, not my mom. Check it up on you. No, well, there's you can knock the ball around left and right, and through making the other team chase, it opens up gaps for you to be, to eventually try to get the ball through and to get in behind the other team for goal scoring opportunities. That is a tactical style of play, um, one that I particularly like. At the younger age groups, it can be successful. A tactical style of play is that whenever you get the ball, we're going to go straight down the field and be direct, whether it be through a long ball or a short pass or through dribbling. And if we don't get connect the first pass, it's going to get knocked down off the header and we're going to try to pick up the scraps of the second ball and we're just going to run, 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 run. It's going to be physical and it's going to be direct. And at the younger age groups, that can be very, very successful. Having said that, as we start to get older and we start to see at the professional level and all different levels, there are, there are times to play, possess, keep the ball, knock it around. There are also times that it's we are under a lot of pressure and we don't have the space and the time to, to knock the ball around, so we have to be a little bit more direct. And as the older we get and the further we get away from the 9 and 10 year olds and 11 and 12 year olds, we have to actually teach these kids to use their soccer brains to make soccer decisions on the field to decide, well, am I gonna, do we need a long direct ball here or do we need a short pass here? And so that can be directed from the coach. And I think the older that they get, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and sometimes 17, 18, when you're in the finished player, there are times to play very direct where it's not about development and skill and technique as much as it is this is what we need right now to win this game. But at the younger age groups, that's not as important for us. Yeah, you know, technique, I think, is is so important. I mean, you obviously know you get kids in the Division One college programs that come in and, you know, have a decent level of skill yep. and, and technique and don't necessarily understand tactics. Now, at the yes. younger age groups, yes. we introduce tactics through the game. And, you know, this is one thing that parents love to see. A good position. The guy on the right staying on the right, nice and wide, getting chalk on his boots, as they say. You know, when they're on the touchline. But the problem can is be that realistic, that, though. Always. Well, all the, the problem time. can be with that. You know, you might have a kid that holds his position beautifully when you know when the team gets the ball, he gets nice and wide. But if the central player doesn't have the technique to pass it to him, it's pointless. Yeah, pointless. So the technique for me is so so important, but also understanding a way to play. So individually knowing how to defend, to stand up to jockey, individually with the ball knowing how to keep it, take a first touch into space at speed and possess the ball, even if you're facing backwards towards your own goal. Those types of things, I think, are more important, especially in the formative years, than really concentrating too much on any tactical system. Yeah, well, before you can actually, you can know what to do, but if you don't have the tools and the skill sets, if you don't know how to use a hammer or a drill, then that drill and that hammer is useless to you. You may know what to do, but if you don't actually know how to use it, you know, and don't yeah, have so the technique. So we talk about it, so making kids it's the basis. show what they know. So you can say, oh yeah, I know that you have to get the ball wide from a restart and a goal kick. But then every time if you kick it down the middle, you're not showing the coach that right, you are what that you're you know. Actually so, right. you know, it's really important that the players understand that they have to show what they know. And that includes the technique. And then the tactics will fit in a lot easier once the technique's solid. Now, when it comes to implementing systems of play and, and those types of things you know we we play with defenders we play with midfielders and we play with attackers and obviously a goalkeeper during the youth games at u8 u9 and u10 when you get to 11 v 11 
which for us happens at U12, that now becomes a little bit... I think it's at U13. More systematic. I think it's at U13. It is at U13. I'm sure of it. All right. U13 right. then? Yeah. At U13, yes, it becomes more what? Systematic. Where you start talking about the tactics and the group of, and how everyone relates to each other as, a, as an 11 as opposed to well, just 7, you know, 8, but, but those younger age groups, the, t- the tactics come in, you know, we like to play a Christmas tree formation with the younger age groups because it's the most simple. So, so meaning, meaning more defenders? Three defenders, two midfielders, one forward, and a okay. goalkeeper. The uh-huh. goalkeeper, we don't class as a goalkeeper. We class them as a defender that can use their hands in the box. So... When when we play our system, the idea is that the left and right back can push up and be like attackers mm-hmm. to help support the, the triangle of attacking players, which will be the two midfielders and, and the forward. And then also defensively, have a solid base to possess the ball and, and, and to keep it. Obviously on restarts, that's huge for kids. So if you have a right and left back in, you know that the goalkeeper will be able to get the ball to somebody wide. So that's the system we play. And then going forward, add in extra players to get to 11v11 we're starting at 7v7 then we'll move to 8v8 and then 11v11 it's easy to add a player so you can add one player to the defence to make it a flat back four or whatever shape yeah. four you want you can add another player but to you gave them the basis for it yeah so and you know, as you progress, through, you, add, you, just, you progress through you add players rather than taking them away which yeah. I think is a lot easier for the players to take on board so although we don't concentrate massively on tactics we definitely introduce things that are important that the players are going to need to understand moving forwards in their career and something that I just, you know, take away for, for parents, you know, that, that are listening is that, you know, please be mindful. As competitive as you are, us as soccer coaches and, and players ourselves growing up and, and, you know, doing this for, for a living, we want to win. We care. We love to win. We want to have more goals than the other team. We love it when our kids, you know, play great and have a successful game and, and play the right way and win. But we also understand and have seen that winning is not the only thing that can be done. A winning is not the end-all, be-all at 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. There are countless teams you know, at the younger age groups that play direct and play a very uh, winning style because they just run, run, run. And as they get older, they don't have the technique to keep the ball away from the other team. And as the field gets bigger and they move on to 11 v 11, as the players get better and their technique lacks and they don't have the skills to keep the ball, they fall off. So we want to make sure that we're giving our kids the basis and the, uh, the skills and the, the foundation that will allow them to win and, and make soccer decisions as they get older. So, you know, that's, to me, I just want to remind you that winning is important for us because we're competitors, but it is not the most important thing. And also there's lessons to be learned from losing or tying a game. So right. if, if you've dominated a game with possession and you've kept it nicely, but you haven't made your chances count, your opportunities in front of goal and the opposition sneak a goal from a set piece at the last minute. And that to, happens. To win a game. Or, yeah, exactly. A lot. A game. That happens a lot. So there's lessons that have to be learned from the players that are about game management, about being precise with their finishes, being perfect with that final ball. Yeah, it's like So it's important that players understand and, and parents and coaches understand the importance of, of maybe losing a game. Obviously, don't go out hoping to lose, but there's lessons to be learned from losing a game. And there's a reason of why that game would have been lost. So it's important that everybody understands that in terms of development, you're going to win some games, you're going to lose some games, you're going to draw some games. The best players in the world didn't go through their whole childhood and, and youth career winning every single game. It just nope. doesn't happen like that. Nope. So 
as the players get through their career and they start developing, yes, the weight of the result matters more, yep. but it's not the be-all and end-all. Yep. All right, Ben. Well, thanks for being with us this week. Thank you all for joining us. Um, for Youth Soccer America, I'm Sean Kuykendall, and we will see you next week.